This is Business Beyond Bizarre, a podcast of the slightly unusual. Here's your host, Peter Anthony Holder. Hello and welcome to Business Beyond Bazaar, a podcast that will take you off the beaten path, introducing you to people who have slightly quirky hobbies or businesses. When your day finally comes and you leave this mortal coil, what mode of transition would you prefer? Are you the simple pine box type? Or are you all opulence and finery with mahogany and brass? Or perhaps you're like the customers of Ross Hall in New Zealand and you prefer something more whimsical. Ross runs a company in Auckland called Dying Art and he puts the fun back in funerals. For instance, not long ago, he made a coffin for his cousin, who passed away in 2021, that was a giant cream donut. Unusual, you say? Not for Ross. He's been creating unique one-of-a-kind caskets for quite some time now. But what exactly was his aha moment? It all happened about 18 years ago when I was doing my will. I got to the section where it said, do you want to get cremated or do you want to get buried? So I took the little cremation box and it was probably 10 minutes after I did that, I sort of went to myself, I don't really want to go out in a brown box. I think I've had a little bit more of a colourful life than that. I thought a little bit about it and I wrote in my will that I wanted a red box with flames on it because I think I know where I'm going to end up. It sort of resonated with me and when I can't be the only person person out there that wants something a little different on the way out. I put some thought to it and in the end I sort of put it aside because I thought no that's too crazy nobody would be into that. Anyway six months later it rose its head again and I came into work and I sat down with my designers and I said let's design 20 caskets. So that's what we did and I made a little brochure up and I took off to the funeral directors around Auckland here in New Zealand and as you can imagine they sort of greeted me with one eyebrow lifted and rigorously shaking their head you know sort of no 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 that's not going to work and they were right I mean 18 years ago it was probably just a little bit too far out I mean I remembered when I went to funerals with my mum and dad when I was a kid it used to be the same six hymns that they'd sing and it would be the same mahogany box with the chrome handles on it so it was sort of a stuck fast in its ways but in recent times and I'm talking probably the last five to eight years, we've seen a pretty radical change in funerals here in New Zealand. And now it's a celebration of life rather than a mourning of the dead. Well, there's a reason for that. It's the baby boomers who are starting to go now, and we always knew how to party. Which brings us back to that giant cream donut. His cousin came to him before his death to let him know what he wanted. Is there any concern that the families won't go along with the deceased's wishes? I made the donut for my cousin, which was his wishes. He was a connoisseur of donuts, and he knew the best places in New Zealand to go and buy cream donuts from, and he pulled me aside about two weeks before he passed and went, make me a cream donut, cousin. So that's what I did for him. It was a really easy process for me because his wife was involved in that conversation between the three of us, and nobody else in his family knew what was going to happen. I was talking to one 
one of the pallbearers, which was my cousin's son, actually, and he said to me, Ross, it was just unbelievable. When we walked into that chapel, he said there was this Mexican wave of gasps and then laughter. And he said, you know, Dad got the last laugh on everyone. I mean, it was that shock. My cousin was, he was the greatest guy. And, you know, I mean, he would just love to shock you. I mean, he did it right up to the very end. And that was him. That was exactly what he was about. Soon it wasn't just family who were assuming room temperature. There were many paying customers. We do around about 100 a year. I would say we've I've done close on 1,000 or 1,200 different sorts of caskets. We have a standard range that we do, and then we have these a little bit more outrageous ones. One of the ones that I really enjoyed making was for a little six-year-old boy that unfortunately passed away of leukemia. And his mum had organized his funeral that she wanted him to be buried in his favorite pirate ship, which was Jake the Pirate. So she came in with a little plastic toy that was Jake the pirate's ship and said, make me one of these. So we made him a pirate ship. The funeral was held at a school and there was probably three or 400 people there, a lot of kids. And the one thing that she didn't want is she didn't want the kids to be shocked by seeing a coffin. So we made this fantastic pirate ship with sails and galleys and cannons. It looked absolutely unbelievable. And at the end of the funeral, when the sausage rolls and the cakes came out, all the kids used that casket as their bench and they all stood around this pirate ship that was coca-cola spilt on us and lemonade and seven up and there was food all over it but that's what you know to his mum that was exactly the send-off that she wanted to give him and she didn't want the kids to be scared about it you know that was a pretty cool one we uh we made a fire engine with a ladder and flashing lights and the headlights that flash on and off and it's on wheels and you actually roll it into the chapel we've got a yacht which has got a keel and a rudder and it has rope handles on it it has a, a mast that stands about three and a half meters high with a mainsail and a jib and it's all rigged. That's a statement in itself. There's just so many different caskets. And I love being so involved in it because people come to us with their most intimate moments and photographs that they want us to portray on those caskets, you know, because it's become so personalized. And it was funny, I was talking to some of our designers the other day about it, and, and we were just saying, by the time we've designed these caskets up for these people, we know them so well. We've been on a life journey with them, you know. I mean, I love doing it. It's not my main business. My main business is the design and a signage company, but I just feel like I'm giving a little bit back to the world. Right about now, you're probably asking yourself, what will one of these last ride containers set you back compared to the standard fare? A standard casket here is around about the $2,500 mark. My wrapped caskets work out at about 3000 to 3500 so they're not a heck of a lot dearer. But when you start talking about sort of yachts and fire engines and donuts and stuff like that, you're up around the six and a half, seven thousand dollars $7,000 mark. Hey, there's a lot of people out there that want to spend that money on their loved ones, and I'm here to do it for them. Would it also increase the cost of burial? And the reason why I say that is I would assume some of these caskets, just by their design, are larger or not exactly as rounded or as rectangular as as a standard casket would be. Yeah, that's a very good question. The donut casket had a lot of polystyrene and shaping foam in it. My cousin was cremated. We didn't put that casket into the cremation just because of the 
toxicity that was in it. Most of our caskets come apart so that they can fit into a crematorium or into to a burial. Jake the pirate's casket, the sails folded down, the steering wheel folded down. It was made to the size to fit inside the crematorium. So we have to design around some of the um, restrictions that we've got. But, you know, in saying that, when we do these caskets, we try our very hardest to be as environmentally friendly as possible. Our caskets are made from NDF, which is uh, a product over here, which is basically the scrap bark that comes off trees when they mill them. And we also offer a range of a custom cardboard casket that we wrap with a vinyl, which is a non-PVC vinyl. So that breaks down as fast as what the cardboard does. Ross has big plans for his own eternal dirt nap. He wants to be buried in a clear coffin wearing nothing but a leopard pattern G-string. And on a white sheepskin rug. Uh, I've got an issue with this. <laughs> I'm hoping that you live a long and fruitful life and that you live well into the upper 90s, if not beyond. If I were in your situation and this is the way I wanted to go, I'd be more concerned with constantly working out to leave a good-looking corpse like that. I don't want to be a wrinkled old guy in a G-string in a clear cap that's something I don't think anybody wants to see. <laughs> oh, my kids have already told me they're not coming. If you're one of those people who think that this might be a good idea for you, but alas, you don't live in New Zealand, well, fear not. Dying Art sells caskets all around the world. We sell all over the world. We have a special crate that we've had, that we've had designed up, which is for the airlines to fit into planes. So we can ship all over the world. What we also do is we do urns, which go with the caskets. Now, what we can do is we can do that same print on the urn, so it's that lasting memory, you know. But we've sent quite a few urns to the States. We have sent them to Canada. We've sent them to the UK. We've sent caskets to Australia. At the end of the day, we'll get them anywhere you need them to be. To find out more, visit the Dying Art website at dyingart.co.nz. Business Beyond Bizarre. Speaking of dying and art, what if you were a person who had a lot of tattoos? Body art that you'd like to have preserved after you've been, well, preserved. Michael and Kyle Sherwood are a father and son mortician team in Cleveland, Ohio. They are the folks behind Save My Ink Forever. They preserve a person's body art after they have passed on to the next realm. Where did this idea come from? A couple of my friends are all uh, writers and whatnot. And the one day my friend came up and said, hey, it would be a great idea if I could have one of my tattoos preserved and hung up in the clubhouse. And that got us, we were thinking that would be a great idea. And it went from there. When creating any kind of new technique, practice makes perfect. But I'm almost afraid to find out who they've practiced on. It's kind of hard to obviously get tattoos to, to practice on and so forth. So what we did for kind of a learning experience, a learning curve, is we were paying for people to get a tummy tuck. So they would get a tattoo on the area where the skin was going to be grafted off from the tummy tuck. And for us paying for it, we would then get the tattoo to, again, kind of go through the, the trial and error of the tattoo preservation. And so it took us roughly, what, two years to... Oh, 
uh, a lot of tummy tucks. <laughs> about two years to perfect the preservation of what it is now to where we feel comfortable. We felt comfortable taking it to a, uh, a commercial level. Michael and Kyle are the only morticians who do what they do, and they can work on any tattoo that you have, no matter the size. We're actually not limited to any size. And how we feel a tattoo is a person's life history. I mean, it's every every tattoo has a meaning in most cases. And we, we don't say this is a great tattoo, great artistry. We say that is a tattoo that that person wanted for a reason in most cases. So as far as size-wise, it's not limited. My son and I, uh, we had a, a person a couple months ago that had a whole full body tattoo. They wanted everything preserved, and he had unbelievable artwork. I'm going on the assumption that your process to you guys is some sort of trade secret. Would that be correct? <laughs> of course. Another mortician couldn't go about doing it the way you do it because that's something that you're literally taking to your graves. Yeah. No, it's our trade secret. It is our Coca-Cola recipe or our uh, McDonald's Big Mac sauce, if you will. Remind me not to ever dine with these guys. The process involved lightens the skin a little. This is done on purpose so that the art really comes through, regardless of the dearly departed's pigment. But what exactly is the finished product that loved ones get? Primarily, it is an archival quality framing. So we have the framing with the UV protective glass and so forth. So we keep everything up to museum standards as far as how you would display a piece of art. How many of these have you done so far? A couple hundred. Several hundred, yeah. yeah. I always thought it was going to be successful. As a matter of fact, I think it's even still a little bit ahead of its time. You know, there's 42 million people currently in the United States alone with tattoos. And the way that the trend is going with tattoos, you know, you're seeing the social breakdown of the taboo previously associated with tattoos as far as people that had tattoos were criminals or, you know, people in the, the service. Uh, whereas now it's, it's all walks of life. If you have doctors, you have lawyers, we're breaking down the <laughs> walls of how tattoos are socially acceptable in the workplace. So I see this, the, the tattoo trend continuing to increase as we continue to break down those social taboos with tattoos. And just like Ross from New Zealand, the example that Michael and Kyle like to cite involves a grieving mother. A good example is this mother called us up a couple months ago and say, hey, listen, my son passed away. He has a very meaningful tattoo because he's always had it, and they're used to seeing him with that tattoo. And the mom was talking to some of his friends that actually told her about us, and she goes, you know what? She goes, Mike, she goes, I just don't want my son giving back to me in her urn and say, hey, this is my son. We um, did a chest piece on him. We framed it, gave it back along with an urn, and she said that was the greatest thing. That was a piece of him that I can recall being on him all the time, and that's what brings that memory back. And what will the process of removing and preserving the ink skin of a loved one set you back? A five inch by five inch tattoo would be $1,599, and that includes everything. So the surgical excision of the tattoo, all of the shipping, the framing again, all up to archival standards, and the preservation. So the full length of time period that we're working with this family and this tattoo is anywhere between three and four months. 
months. You know, if you break down the cost of, you know, $1,599 to the time period that we're investing into this, we consider that a, a relatively small amount. And we're going to make it affordable for everybody because this is something the families want. Instead of charging a lot and doing very few, we would rather do a lot of tattoos, charge very little, and have everybody make out in the long run. And so our pricing goes up $100 per inch. So six by six would be $16.99, seven by $17.99, and so forth. And then when you get into the larger tattoos, the full chest pieces, the full back pieces, and sleeves and so forth, we do offer kind of customized pricing as well as discount on multiple tattoos. So you compare $15.99 to five $7,000 headstone or a $4,000 casket, uh, again, we, we would say we're fairly affordable. For more information, you can go to their website at savemyinc.tattoo. Business Beyond Bizarre. One more thing before we go. After you're gone, would you like to be able to talk to your loved ones from beyond the grave? A California sculptor named Robert Barrows came up with and patented the idea of the Video Enhanced Grave Marker. When you start carving a rectangular piece of stone, you can't help uh, but thinking that you're carving your own tombstone. And I also run an ad agency, so I do television commercials all the time. And you put the two together, you've got a video tombstone. Rather than embedding the video equipment in the tombstone, I've actually made a hollowed-out chamber in the tombstone, so you insert weatherproofed video equipment in there, and then it works just like your home video equipment works with a remote control. You can record your thoughts prior to your death, or have a loved one say something on your behalf after. You would record your video and give it to your attorney and give your attorney the instructions to insert it immediately upon the erection of the tombstone or five years after you die or whenever you want to uh, put that in there. And you'd also leave instructions. In other words, if you yourself didn't record the video, you might leave instructions for your survivors who may record what and what kind of content they could put into that tombstone. How somber or serious the message is is entirely up to you. You might say things that you never had the chance to say while you were alive, or you never had the guts to say while you were alive, or it may be time to make amends, or you may decide to tell jokes and sing songs to your loved ones and future generations, and it'll also change the way that history is told. What we've learned on this podcast is that when you go is not necessarily of your choosing. But how you go can be left entirely up to you. Next time on Business Beyond Bazaar. We go down under to an Australian brewery that makes belly button beer. The first beer in the world made from the yeast of fermented belly button lint. It's a little more than navel-gazing. Meanwhile, in nearby New Zealand, we play pizza roulette at Hell Pizza. Careful. A couple of slices on each pizza are hot, devilishly hot. This has been Business Beyond Bazaar, a presentation of Flying Fish Communications and Group Fairplay. Play.